Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something's stirring that will change this place forever. Perfect. Welcome to Perfectville, your first place podcast for your second place Miami Dolphins, now part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I am Sam Marcoux, and he is the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer, Mr. Christopher Cullen. Chris, how the hell are you on this Victory Monday, my friend? Holy shit, I'm, I'm ecstatic. I, I walked into work like Conor McGregor today. I was so excited. It, uh... Obviously, if you guys have not seen or heard yet, you must. I don't even know why you would be listening to this podcast, but the Miami Dolphins pull off one of the craziest last play walk off touchdowns that you would ever see against uh, the juggernaut of the NFL over the last two decades, the New England Patriots. The Miami Dolphins win on a multilateral, uh, what was it, 52 apparently receiving yard touchdown to Kenyon Drake. Um, last play of the game, seven seconds left, 14-yard completion to, Ken, or, uh, to uh, Kenny Stills, who laterals to Devontae Parker, who goes six yards and laterals to Kenyon Drake, who goes the rest of the way. The Miami Dolphins win 34-33. Uh, they beat the New England Patriots to get to 7-6. and six, uh, and, and assure Chris, by the way, that I, I do not think they can finish any less than second place in the AFC East. Um, a, a very, very, very slim chance that they could still win the AFC East, although I don't think any of us are holding out that hope. Uh, but more than anything, Chris, uh, the play that I just described poorly uh, was beautiful on the screen. And what was what was your reaction right before and then, you know, during and immediately after uh, the Miami Miracle, as it's been known to be called now? Well, right before, I think me, like everyone that's a Dolphins fan, was down in the dumps. Uh, um, yeah, it was just, of course, just depressed, sad. Here we go again. Now we're, um, you know, five uh, sub 500 and uh, another losing season. The Patriots, you know, we actually kind of scored tit for tat with them offensively. Our defense just couldn't get anything done. Um, but I felt like our offense deserved to win the game. You know, it's frustrating. And then all of a sudden, there it is. I mean, Sam, I'm not kidding. I stood up. When he scored, enough, I think you probably and everybody else listening, the first thing I did was look for a flag. I looked down at oh, the yeah. bottom of the screen just waiting for that yellow to pop up. Um, Illegal block in the back <clears throat> by somebody who wasn't even anywhere near the play or right, something Tannehill. like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that's the first thing you think of because, I mean, you're super pessimistic. Nothing like this ever happens to the Miami Dolphins. And then as I stood there and everybody's freaking out in my garage, I'm always the ultimate – I wait till like it's solidified. Everybody's just going fucking crazy. My brother's hugging my dad. My dad literally dropped to his knees with his hands <laughs> in the air. Like we just cured AIDS like uh, as a country. Like he was just uh, – my sister has it on tape. Now she put um, um, We Are the Champions in the background by Queen, which is funny in, in context because we literally are seven and six. Uh, and that is basically our Super Bowl. So I'll post that to the Twitter and, and make oh, sure that tag – Perfect bill because my dad literally is like flipping off the TV when they show replays of Patriot players. And uh, we went ballistic. And I'm not kidding. And I don't care. Anybody will judge me. I like literally teared up. And I had like hands on my head. I'm like, I've never seen anything like that. And today uh, we are trending everywhere. Like it's what? a Miami Dolphins is the top subreddit on Reddit. Like uh, it's front page news on the MSNBC when you open a new tab at work. Like 
the Miami Miracle. And that's a once in a decade plus type play. We had less of one percent chance to to win that game, Sam. And it was just uh it was pandemonium. It was incredible. It was euphoric. I can never stop looking at the replay because it was just watching the crowd celebrate and the players throw their helmets and run from the sideline was one of the coolest experiences I think we've ever had as a franchise. Well, uh, as you can't keep looking at the, can't stop looking at the replay. I can't stop looking at the reviews of Perfectville on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we're going to talk about that Miami miracle in greater depth. I believe that's going to be one of our topics, either first or second half for Perfectville when we officially start the show. Uh, but I, I do have to bring this up, Chris, because we have uh, what I would consider breaking news, and that Ooh. breaking news, Chris, is the fact that uh, our good buddy, the only guy to give us three reviews on Apple Podcasts, and every single single time he's given these us these reviews he's given us three stars out of a possible five what an asshole uh, you know who we're talking about uh mr meh himself tr sears or trs ears or we're still not sure how to pronounce his handle here uh, but he has come roaring back november 30th of this year the third review from mr tr sears is here chris i, I can't wait to read this are you, are you ready for this yeah, and as soon as I hear that, uh, and by the way, TRS ears is absolutely what we're going to call him from now on because that is absolutely hilarious. TRS ears, uh, <laughs> this is on you, buddy. This uh, it's a very short and brief one, but if you remember, he he blasted us, and then there was a uh, Apple Podcast war between himself and another <laughs> listener going back and forth, and then he came back and he really liked one of our episodes, and he says the show is improving for me. If I could give you a bonus half store, I would bump you up to three and a half. <laughs> uh, then he said, for now, I'll have to settle for meh plus. Um, so that was uh, that was his last time with us. And now, I, apparently, he, he thinks that we would like his continued input into the show. Uh, so Super Producer TRS Ears has some notes for us. And he says, update, November 2018. These guys are getting worse. <laughs> Soon enough, I'm going to get sick of listening to them. Try to one-up one another on idiotic predictions. And that's it. That's all he has for us is this very short and sweet review. Uh, apparently, we're getting worse than Meh Plus, Chris. And um, I'm not sure if he's listening to the right show because we have never done an idiotic prediction. We've done ridiculous predictions. Um, but uh, apparently, soon, soon he's going to get sick of us doing that, according wow. to TRS ears. Well, if you listen to last year's shows, it was every week. We just did a throwback episode and brought that back into the – of course, we went crazy with it because it's the only time we do it. Um, yeah. They We brought it back for kind of a tossback time loop episode. So uh, TRS ears, sorry that you just so happened to listen to the one where we um, brought back ridiculous predictions. But we, we won't do it again, buddy. We're really sorry, and we hope to get that Met Plus status. I feel like I lost, I just lost a Michelin star as a, as a restaurant, Sam, yeah. a restaurant owner. We we uh we lost a Michelin star, um, <laughs> yeah we uh we're the hoping Miami we can Miami Dolphins. Yes, we uh we we maybe get back to a Met Plus in the future, but apparently TRS ears is not a fan of you or I or this show uh, or our idiotic predictions, as he likes to point out. But that's okay. Uh, shall we get started with the show? Should we do the coin toss? I think we should. And this week, Chris, the coin is from the year of 2012 um now do you remember what happened in 2012 do you remember the yeah. record of the miami dolphins in 2012 i'm not sure on the record but it was Tannehill's rookie year mm -hmm. who uh, was our coach uh joe philbin that was our first year as joe philbin 
we, we were, were on hard, hard knocks that year. We were. We were uh, second in the AFC East, very much as we are now, going 7-9, and nine, which is a vast improvement over 6-10 and 10 the year before. My, how expectations have changed yet uh, <laughs> make us figure out why we're here. 7-9, and nine, we were like, you know, pretty good. Pretty good. We'll take it with a rookie QB. I'm sure the sky's the limit for us. We'll never yeah. continue staying 7-9, 8-8. Eight, eight. You know, it's funny. I remember Hard Knocks that year. Uh, Ryan Tannehill didn't know the divisions. Yes. Uh, for the NFL, and Matt Moore was just like perplexed. I was like, "Wait, are you serious? Like, you don't know what conference we're in?" And he's like, "Dude, it's like I'm from Texas. We watch college football, like in high school football. That's it. He doesn't even watch the NFL." Um, and then Philbin picking up garbage, and of course the uh, the cool committee that was created, like Dansby, Jake Long, and Reggie Bush, I think were the three that were like this leadership committee that Philbin got together, and then uh, they kicked Chad Johnson off the team for headbutting his fiance. Yeah, we uh, we drafted Ryan Tannehill, Jonathan Martin, Olivier Vernon, <laughs> Michael Agnew, Lamar Miller, Josh Cadu, who did nothing, B.J. Cunningham, who did nothing, and Keiston Randall, who did nothing, and uh, the evil trader himself, Rashard Matthews. Uh, those were the players that we drafted that year, and you're right. We did kick uh, Chad Ochocinco off the team due to uh, shenanigans, if you will. But, uh, yeah, Mike Sherman was our offensive coordinator, assistance quarterback coach Zach Taylor, head coach Joe Philbin, uh, special teams coordinator Darren Rizzi, of course, because he's here forever. I think Darren Rizzi and and uh, John Denny are related somehow because they're just here forever. You know what I mean? Yeah, possibly. I mean, I can see it. Although Rizzi probably wanted to break his neck yesterday. John Denny uh, missed two blocks on those block punts yesterday. Well, we're, we're going to talk about that once Sorry. we start the yeah. show officially. No, Radio no, tees. you're good. Yeah, Radio Tees, there you go. Uh, we also had four Pro Bowlers that year and one All-Pro, which was Cameron Wake. One of our Pro Bowlers that year, Richie Incognito. Wow. Yeah, so there you go. Back so when the good old bullying days. Yeah, good old bullying days, but uh, no, we uh, that <laughs> was our. They, didn't they on Hard Knocks? They like uh, shaved uh, Jonathan Martin's head, and they call him like Big Goof or something like that. Big Weirdo. Yeah, yeah Big Weirdo. Which in context now is like an awful <laughs> God thing. Damn, right in camera, they're like, "Fuck this weird ass motherfucker," and he's just like, "God damn it!" And yeah, we're like, crazy. "We're like, it's so great how much they uh, how much they I love, love each other." Amazing. Yeah, great teammates. But our uh, our four Pro Bowlers that year: John Denny, Richie Incognito, Randy Starks, and Cameron Wake. Nobody outside of the offensive or defensive wow. lines uh, made it to the Pro Bowl for us. But you're seven and nine. The fact that you got four people in the Pro Bowl is uh, actually pretty damn good. But sure, uh, anyway, alternates. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they probably were. There's 75 people. Bruce Smith had to uh, bow out due to an ankle injury. So. Uh, um, all right, so we have our 2012 quarter here. We, uh, we, we've we teed it up here. We've teased a little bit about what one of the topics is going to be. But, Chris, go ahead and reveal what your topic will be once we start this whole thing going forward. I want to talk about the uh, Miami Miracle. I want to talk a little bit about what led up to it. Um, I want to talk about what um, – yeah, everything. Just like the couple plays prior uh, and the coaching moves that made it happen and, and the aftermath. All right, and I want to talk about uh, – really the personnel of the team looking at this team right now at seven and six I was thinking about this in the last week here Chris just who is the best player on the Miami Dolphins today and uh, is the best player also the best or most impactful 
player for the Miami Dolphins because mm. those could be two different things. So I just kind of want to take a look at our, our player personnel and have a discussion and get your thoughts as to who you think is the best player for the Miami Dolphins uh, going into this week against the Minnesota Vikings. So I'm going to uh, flip the coin, as I always do, this beautiful 2012 quarter. And as I flip it, you will call heads or tails, and you will let me know whether you want to receive or defer. And I am flipping now. Tails. And you are back to your winning ways, sir. It is absolutely 100% tails. And uh, this is actually an Illinois 2012 quarter, so there's some sort of weird whatever on the back. But anyway, uh, it is your call, sir. Would you like to uh, receive the first half or defer to the second? I would like to receive. It's fresh. It's on everyone's mind. I've kind of teased it already. Let's just jump into this bad boy. All right, well, let's jump into it. As we talked about, the Miami Dolphins 7-6 and six beat the New England Patriots in Miami for the fifth out of the last six times that they have met in Miami. Uh, they do it on what is now being called the Miami Miracle. Chris, take it away from here, my friend. Uh, let me know what you want to talk about. Yeah, well, Sam, just let's think about this real quick and enjoy it. Uh, I really want to just bask in this because it is gigantic. This isn't a play that just happens uh, once or twice a season. Um, this is something that happens once every few decades, man. Like this is a unbelievable play that was set up, and they called it Boise. I know Ryan Tannehill, uh, seeing the reactions, I think, of the players after it happened was so cool and heartwarming for me. One of my favorite things I did, too, was take – as soon as he scored, I zoomed in on on, on um, paused video of the Patriot fans' faces yeah. in the crowd. Yeah. That was one of my favorite. It's like a Where's Waldo, but I was jerking off at the same time because it was just like incredible. Hands on their heads, Dolphins fans throwing beer in the air, going crazy. Like it's just unbelievable. No one expected it. Um the setup was great, and one of the cool things, too, we never get to do this ever, Sam, and that's why I wanted to talk about it and was excited about it. Man, did Bill Belichick fuck that up. He fucked up that entire setup. First of all, doing the field goal at the end uh, of their drive, going for a field goal there, keeping us within one score, um, and also keeping a uh, clock for us. So here's the thing. They're on like the four-yard line. If anything, on fourth down, you go for a touchdown. If you get it, you win the game. It's over. If you don't get it, you have clock run out, of course, and we have the ball on the four-yard line. Right. The chances of going down with no timeouts, uh, 96 yards are slim to none. For Even if they didn't score a touchdown, a very long field goal would be very difficult there. So Belichick does that. Also, quick little kudos to rookie Minka Fitzpatrick because, yes, he got the pass interference, and, yes, it was a pretty good call, I guess. I felt the referees weren't too bad last, yesterday. Um, but Minka has that pass interference. Meanwhile, if he lets him go, he possibly scores a touchdown. The game's over. Mm-hmm. So great call, great score or play on, on his part, even if it was intentional or not. Um, and then the biggest gaffe of them all is you know Bill Belichick does his homework. He researches. He knows everything about his opponent that they're about to play. He knows Ryan Tannehill's shoulder is not 100%. He knows our offensive line is terrible. He knows that we are on the 30-something yard line, and Ryan Tannehill is not throwing a 70-plus yard Hail Mary. But he puts his Hail Mary unit on defense and puts injured RoboCop Rob Gronkowski at safety Meanwhile, Kenyon Drake takes the pitch from Stills to Parker to him, and he uh, fake pitches Amendola. By the way, amazing block by Ted Larson, way down the field, fucking sealing that block off. And Drake just beats Gronk to the corner. Like, it, it just was unbelievable. Gronk's stumbling. He's a meme now. 
horrible miscue by Bill Belichick coaching those last few plays. And uh, I love rolling around in it like a pig in shit. Yeah, so you know, I'm gonna. I don't know if I give credit or or, or blame to Bill Belichick as much as it's got to be his defensive coordinator, right? He's not calling the defensive plays, as far as I know. Now, I get it that the, the buck stops with Bill Belichick, and if you're going to get all the praise for everything Josh McDaniels and Tom Brady does, then you're going to get the you know you're going to get the shit thrown at you when uh, when something yeah. bad happens. You're right in that. <sighs> It's a it's a it's a miscalculation because of the injury to Ryan Tannehill, yeah. and that and that's the only reason I think it's a miscalculation. And that he probably looked at this and said, <laughs> "There never in the history of the NFL has there been a multilateral walk off touchdown. This is the first time this has ever happened." Okay, wow. so we were almost the first ones with the Steelers in the snow. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, this this is something that is unprecedented. So in, in his mind, he's thinking the odds are they're going to try to chuck it up and just get a pass interference call, or you know, uh, similar to the Green Bay was Seattle game a few years ago. Maybe somebody comes down with it. So he puts Gronk out there to knock the ball down or to catch the ball, intercept it, whatever. But you're right. Why would you do that with Ryan Tannehill coming off of a shoulder injury uh, where he has been very open about how it's going to be uncomfortable for the rest of the season? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a bad call by the coaching staff and the New England Patriots. It's also bad, and I, and I get why you want to put your hands team out there, but your defenders play defense for a reason. And I promise you, I promise you, if they had one of their safeties back there or even one of their corner backs instead of a, a lunky clunky tight end we would be talking right now about how close we got to pulling off the miracle in Miami but came short about 10 yards because of a shoestring tackle or something along those lines but the fact that he put Rob Gronkowski out there who uh, may or may not have already started taking shots in South Beach by the time he was playing safety right then uh, you could just see it he was like the little kid who's saying please don't hit the ball to me in Little League you know what I mean he's like oh my god don't hit the ball don't hit the ball don't hit the ball <laughs> and then the kid swings and hits it and right off the crack of the bat the kid's like I'm fucked you could tell Gronkowski when uh, Kenya broke free right around the 40 yard line or whatever that was he was like oh no i'm in trouble yep and it was uh it was beautiful i mean it couldn't happen to a better franchise as far as i'm concerned but uh yeah there was some faux pas there there was uh some miscues on special teams by both teams i mean john denny ageless john Mm -hmm. denny um two horrible horrible um, I guess blocked punts on his watch because uh, he, he let the defender get right in uh, to the point where we now have to run around like rugby style and kick 30-yard punts because we're afraid that we're just going to get the shit kicked out of us every single time. Uh, not sure what was going on there. Chalk it up to a bad day. He's allowed to have a bad day, but hopefully there's nothing worse going on there. And then, of course, missed field goals and extra points by Steven Goskowski, which never happened. It mm-hmm. was just bizarre. And then halfway through, uh, Bane from Batman shows up and blows up the fucking field like you saw in the Batman movie because this half of the field just uprooted and walked off. I, I think like, it's because what? that cameraman tripped. Like, you had a oh. cameraman tripping like on camera. Like, what the hell was going on during our game? Sam, um, uh, Jeff Darlington said nine lead changes is the second most of any game in NFL history. This was the weirdest oddest game ever. And Bane came to destroy the field. Yeah. Like, it was unbelievable. Like, I was like, what is going on? And then I forgot about You're right. The cameraman just ups and fucks himself and trips. And, like, they showed it. First of all, I thought he was dead. Like, they showed the guy. He wasn't moving at all. He was just like, he was passed out like one of those WWE referees that gets hit on accident by one of the wrestlers. And they Oversells don't move. Oversells like crazy. Yeah. 
and they don't move for 45 minutes and then happen to wake up just to hit the three uh the three count for the bad guy this <laughs> guy was, like, was stuck with this camera attached to him yeah so it was like an odd angle so he couldn't stand up he looked like peter griffin when he falls on the ground and his arms behind him yeah and nobody knew what had happened so i was like oh my god this guy had a heart attack and they're showing him and then they were like oh he got ran over and then they show the replay no dipshit just tripped and fell just fucking tripped and well, the fell. Part is you see it for like a split second. And you're like, Did that guy fucking just fall. And everybody in my man cave is like, rewind it. And like we rewound it. And then they go back and like slow motion show this guy eating shit. And I feel bad. He might be a Dolphins fan. He's wearing a Dolphins hat. And he probably works for the team or something. But no. oh my God, CBS that just puts him on blast and slow mo shows it. Uh, first thing I said, it's uh, that's going to be on Come On Man tonight on Monday Night Football. The best part about it too was CBS completely disavowed them being that being one of their camera and they're like he's from a local team uh that's recording yeah. independent of the national broadcast we would never hire such clumsy people to be our we'd camera never people. hire a doofus like that <laughs> yeah so well, and- uh yeah it's just a bizarre bizarre game bizarre game and and i know we're talking about the miracle and all that but i definitely want to give a shout out to to um Adam Gase called a good game on offense. He did. I, I think he really did because uh, we've been pretty rough on him lately. But also, I don't care on what side of the coin you are. I think we can all agree Ryan Tannehill is a tough motherfucker. Look, like, he is just shoulder, gets his ankle stepped on by a 400-pound fucking lineman getting pushed back. Well, what a hell of a fucking job to come back and just uh, play, play his ass off. No, he really did. He he had, you know, to me, this is almost the epitome of Ryan Tannehill. People don't think of him as being a tough quarterback. They also they think of him as being an injury-prone quarterback, which uh, recently, sure, but that wasn't the case for a very long time. I mean, yeah. really. And and uh, the good news is here on Monday, obviously things are going to progress, but it looks like he's walking around without any assistance here on Monday, so that ankle injury is probably, hopefully, just a minor one that isn't going to hinder him from playing the Minnesota Vikings later uh, this week. But, you know, the guy is tough as hell, and and I will give credit to Adam Gase. I wrote this team off. I wrote this coaching staff off. I wrote Ryan Tannehill off a couple of weeks ago after that disastrous Indianapolis Colts game. Um, the Bills played as hard. The Bills are much better than I think most of us give them credit for, so I can understand why that was a tough game. But this game we were not supposed to win. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't care what the stats say. I don't care that Tom Brady's uh, House of Horrors is in South Beach. I don't care that in December on the road uh, – we beat the crap out of them. I don't care about any of that. Uh, we were not supposed to win this game. New England had something to play for. New England is healthy. We are not. Uh, they got the greatest coach in the history of the planet, if you talk to some people. The greatest quarterback in the history of the planet, if you talk to some people. Uh, and we don't have those things. And we beat them. And we did it not necessarily just on trickery. Yes, the last play was a little bit of luck. Uh, and maybe there was some missteps by the New England Patriots. But we took advantage of those missteps. And if you look at the game plan and you look at the play calling and, and the balance that we had, um, this was a, a very, very good victory. This was uh, a team victory in many, many ways, and I give a lot of respect to Ryan Tannehill. I give a lot of respect to Adam Gase. Uh, I give a lot of respect to Kiko Alonso, who is mm-hmm. a night and day player, man. You you cannot run against this guy, but if you want to throw a pass, just find number 47 on the Miami <laughs> Dolphins defense and throw it anywhere around, and you're probably getting five, six, seven, eight, I nine, ten yards. that was yards. his specialty, too, when we got him from like the Jesus. Bills. Like, and the, uh, and the Eagles was like, hey, he's undersized, but he, he, that's what you want for speed to cover a tight end. Good lord. Oh, he couldn't cover anything. No, <laughs> like, he's he's like a cat trying to find the laser pen. You know what I mean? Like he's mm. just scattered. He's running around all over the place. Meanwhile, it's, you haven't moved the laser at all. The guy. Uh, first of all, <laughs> I know we pointed it out. The, the shirt is ridiculously tight, Kiko. It's you need so I ridiculous. Mean, and he's cutting out the his, sides. Yeah, you can see his under like shoulder pads. Yeah, strap. like it's getting insane. It's he's like a be, workout <laughs> shirt. 
Exactly. He's going to be like, he's fucking basically looks like a 90s commercial for like a Nike basketball player, like on on a street court. Like he's got this cut off like shirt. Uh, and he's mean, got the poodle haircut with the tail and he's talking about big balls. I mean, he's just like such a dumb jock. You I love know? it. And he's such yeah. a weird dude. But like, I love, <laughs> if he is on any other team, I would despise him. And then oh, he yeah. did it again. The fullback Devlin scores on the uh, opening drive and he just th- he hits him against his shoulder did in the just- back of his neck. Like. Total cheap shot. Okay, thank you. I, I saw that too. I saw the. I saw it go in, and I'm like, "Oh fuck, he's gonna get a penalty." And then he didn't. I'm like, "How did they not give him a penalty?" Because that was that was more illegal than the hit he did where he when he turned into an actual dolphin a couple weeks ago. He you just know? blasted him, and I guess because it's a big fullback, it's no problem. Like, good lord, he almost decapitated him, and it was completely and utterly pointless. Like he already had scored, and Kiko just boom, elbow drops the back of his neck, full speed. Well, Devlin probably didn't feel it because he's got a Buick bumper underneath his fucking. <laughs> he's his wearing two jersey. pairs of Mike Hull shoulder yeah. pads. Yeah, he's wearing Mike Hull <laughs> under his shoulder pads. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's why they call the penalty. Like that guy's wrapped in bubble wrap. It's fine. He's not. He's not going to hear anything. Um, but anyway, this picture in his locker, this fucking bent bumper that he just <laughs> over his neck. He needs like eight guys to help put his jersey over it. <laughs> it's like from a forty-eight Plymouth. It's just uh, <laughs> hanging over the both of his shoulder, and they're like, "Guys, yeah, And then the Patriots have these fucking stats where they're like, "This guy's ran the ball two times and has seven touchdowns." Like, how does that even fucking oh, matter? Speaking of that, no one's talking about Brandon Bolden. How no Gase one is talking. Totally yeah. pulled a Bill Belichick on yep. him. Gives him two carries, two touchdowns. That was fucking phenomenal. Didn't give him the ball again the rest of the game. Like, no, it's fuck totally, him. <laughs> totally Bill Belichick him. That was so great. And I think we are talking about it in my man cave too. Like, man, we have a good group of running backs. Like, that can do a lot. Um, Perry, Bolden, Balage, Gore, Drake. I mean, that's just a ridiculous amount of depth at the running back position. I just wish we can spread that in other places. Um, well, that, but that's damn, the part they do that's good at running backs. Yeah, that's the part that's infuriating me is especially not this game, but you know, you, you look at that and you're like, look, these guys are talented, whether it's Balage, Perry, those guys aren't even really playing, but we all know what we have in Kenyon Drake. We all know what we have in Frank Gore. And of course, Brendan Bolden seems to be uh, somebody who, at least against the Patriots, uh, wants to show up and play and run real fast. Uh, yet we're trying to force the ball into these uh, wide receivers that I've never heard of before. But as soon as I say that, uh, Bryce Bolton or, or Brian Baldinger Butler, or whoever yeah. that, yeah, Bruce, whoever, Brett Butler, the old Dodger, I don't know who that was out there. Somebody got a touchdown pass, and I thought for half a second it was Jarvis Landry, and then I realized, Me too. no. We all did. We were like, holy yeah. shit. And I'm like, oh, wait, wait, who the fuck is that? It was 14, yeah. And they're like, oh, he's been here a couple of weeks. I'm like, he has? Oh, all right, well, good on yeah. him. Good throw um, by Tannehill on that, too. He got hit right as he threw it. Threw it. Um, really just fantastic all around. He, If you look at his just numbers um, and our wins since he came back from injury, man, he has played lights out. Yeah, well, Ryan Tannehill's, uh, I think his uh, QB rating for this game was like 155, and I think it's over 100 on the season. Um, he's got he, 16 he touchdowns. He matched Tom Brady, man. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, this was a shootout in the first half of the game, and then it kind of became a little bit more of a defensive uh, uh, struggle in the second half up until, again, the, the bananas play that we had at the end of the game there. Um, 
This is a question. I, I put this on Twitter, Chris, uh, as a poll, uh, Perfectville Pod, at Perfectville Pod. You can check out the poll there. But uh, between this game, the Wildcat game of 2008, and uh, the 1994 Dan Marino versus Drew Bledsoe opening day shootout, which, as everyone remembers, is the Dan Marino comeback game after he tore his Achilles mm. the season before, uh, which one is the greatest game against the New England Patriots out of those three? Ooh, that's a tough one. I would say... Um... Well, you know, I'm going to have to say the Wildcat game because yeah. we are 0-2, um, and we ended up winning the division, went 11-5. Like, that sparked everything, and yeah. it, it was in New England, and I'll also never true. forget their fans just flooding out of the stadium, and, like, my boner touched the ceiling. It was so fun, like, to watch them crying and leaving after they just – all they have known is complete and utter dominance, and – we pull out this trick fucking 1890s offensive formation and just completely embarrass the Patriots. Um, that was for what that led to is why that game's more important um, and more fun because at least it wasn't stressful. We were just killing yeah. them. And like Ronnie Brown was just scoring every possible touchdown he could. And uh, but this one was just so stressful because it was a shootout. Our defense couldn't get to stop. Um, a lot of tip balls that went right up in the air that would have been a pick on any other team but ours, of course. And, um, yeah, the, it's got to be the Wildcat game. You know, the, the Wildcat game is almost like Christmas Day where you're opening present after present after present and nothing could go wrong. This game, to me, was like winning the fucking lotto. Like, you're just not expecting it. And out of nowhere, you just have this windfall sitting in your lap, and you're just kind of like, what? Uh, I mean, for me, the most fun... Uh, at least in retrospect, was the shootout game. And the reason I say that is because um, I remember watching that as a kid. I think I was 12 years old. And and at the time, there was no NFL Sunday ticket, at least not for me at 12 years old. Um, so I was getting the updates of that game through game breaks. You know, I was probably watching like a Bengals-Browns game or whatever was going mm-hmm. on at the time. And every two minutes, they were coming back to this game and going, we have another update. We have another update. <laughs> and as a Dolphins fan, I was like, this is insane. I'm only watching this Bengals game so that I can see Irving Fryer jump all over the Patriots. You know, so that to me was an insane game, especially considering there were so many unknowns. Nobody knew if Dan Marino was going to be the same guy anymore. And he just went out there and threw that thing everywhere. And Drew Bledsoe matched him step by step. And if we'd lost that game, it would have been one of the worst losses I think that I could remember. But the fact that we won that game with a former New England Patriot and Irvin Fryer getting the game winning in the mud uh, opening day, it was just such a statement game of game of Dan Marino coming back and saying, fuck everyone, I'm totally fine. Um, the Wildcat game changed the league, at least temporarily, for a few years. Um, but this one, you know, obviously in, in, in today's society, everyone's going to say this one, and that's what's winning the poll currently at Perfectville Pond. But uh, it's so unprecedented, and it's so shocking. It just, you know, it, it, it I think, I, I'm, I venture most Dolphins fans, if they're being honest, were, you know, even if they say, oh, it's never over till it's over, they thought it was over. It was over. Yeah. It was over. You know, like if I was watching the game, by the way, for all of those wondering, I was not home when this game was happening. In fact, I didn't even watch it live. I didn't get any updates until my fantasy football thing pinged and showed me how many points Frank Gore had. And it said final score 34-33. And I'm like, what in the hell just happened? But uh, I cannot believe you didn't watch that live. Are you kidding no, me? Here's what happened. So oh. and, and here's what happened. So I, I find out about it. Right. So obviously, then I watched the uh, I, I watched the replay of the of the of the of the play. Right. About seven seventy five million times, and then I I, oh. uh, I decided last night I, after my kid went to bed, and I got the dog settled and everything. I was like, I'm going to watch this game 
in full. Like I'm going to watch the commercials. I'm going to watch the entire three and a half hour broadcast and just ride with the highs and the lows. Even though I already know the outcome, I'm going to watch this entire thing and enjoy it. Right? Like I'm going to unzip my pants with eight seconds left and just get ready. You were wearing pants. uh, Well, you know, yeah, figuratively, I guess. Yeah, yeah, my figurative pants. Yes. and then as I'm watching this, it's so fucking late and I'm so old now that like I fell asleep halfway through the fourth quarter and missed it again. <laughs> so <laughs> just, it's like, ah, Wait, shit. What <laughs> yeah, did we win? But um, yeah, so eventually I did watch it, obviously. But no, I did not watch it live. And uh, that now makes us, I think, six and oh, when I'm not watching the game um, at my house. So there you go. And, and to answer your question, I, I agree with you. I think the Wildcat game is the most important out of those three. Well, and, and who knows what happens this season? It's still yet to be seen. But if we end up one of the playoffs or something, and like going deep into the playoffs, like that, this one will trump that for sure oh, because I, that's unbelievable. Yeah, I'm in before Kirk Cousins beats us twenty-one to three next Sunday <laughs> against the fucking Vikings. Uh, but uh, yeah, John Denny bad game, special teams bad game in general. Um, but really, what was interesting to me about this is a couple things here. Now we are at least at a minimum. Uh, four and two in the AFC East this year, which wow. usually when you win, when you have a winning record in your division, it means that the playoffs are pretty much right there. Uh, number two, this somewhat negates the Cincinnati Bengals loss, although I think at the end of the year, we're going to look back at not only the Bengals loss, but the Colts loss and go, that's uh, what huge. fucked us. That's well, what and fucked somebody us. said this, it would be very interesting if the Ravens um, and say the Colts just kind of lose out or whatever, let's just say that, wouldn't it be the most fucking incredible thing and non-Dolphins thing ever, so it won't happen to us, but if it did, this is what we'll be calling back to, but if we got into the playoffs over a tiebreaker in the Tennessee Titans from a eight-hour Yes. Hurricane power or lightning delay from week one victory. That would be the most unbelievable thing that can happen. It would be the cherry on top of the most Miami Dolphins season ever. That would be insane. Yeah, yeah, and, and I doubt that's going to happen. I think this thing will shake itself out before a tiebreaker, but uh, chances are I, I have a feeling it's going to come down to, like, us and the Colts. <laughs> yeah. And it's going to be like, well, sorry. But um, if it's a three-way tie, that actually works to our benefit right now. But uh, anyway, it's – it's um, it, what a game. Uh, that's all I can really say is, like, it's just one of those things where you kind of look back and go, I, I have no words. I don't know yeah. uh, really what to say other than it was a fluke. I don't care what any Miami Dolphins says. It was a total fluke play. Uh, Kenyon Drake, the one thing that kind of, like, bothered me, this is how I know I'm a negative, pessimist person, is that, like, I'm watching his interview after when I finally did watch the whole thing, Chris, and uh, he talked about how they have practiced this play uh, all the time in practice, and I'm like, why the, the fuck, fuck are you practicing yeah. this? Practice how to block somebody at the line of scrimmage so you can just run for 25 yards as opposed to this weird trickery. Um, but that well, was just me being a negative person. Of course, and like I just saw a thing on the Miami Dolphins subreddit where it says that Ryan Tannehill has, now has one more fourth quarter comeback than Aaron Rodgers. And then at first you're like, damn, that's fucking awesome. But then you're like, man, we're losing all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, we always have to win these close games. Like Aaron Rodgers just blows people out. He doesn't need to come back in the fourth quarter. It's such a, uh, so it's a very passive stat. Uh, I, I, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure Aaron Rodgers beats Ryan Tannehill in first quarter victories. If you know what I'm <laughs> exactly. saying. Exactly. So I was like, oh, that's uh, but, cute. I have way more wins. Like just yeah. all overall, and a ring and a belt and a mustache. Um, the uh, by the way, did you notice? Is Ryan Tannehill going bald? Uh, Did you notice after the game when he's celebrating, it looks like he's missing some hair there. 
Ooh, no, I actually saw something with Tom Brady had some passes yeah. missing. Well, but Tom Brady's 78 years old, so that's fine. But I was like, <laughs> wow, I was looking at I was looking at Ryan Tannehill and I'm Maybe like, man, he he's aging. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's aging a little bit, but I mean, it's fine whatever, but Well, he has uh, so many goddamn little injuries from getting the shit kicked in from his horrible offensive line his whole career that his blood and nervous system is going elsewhere and maybe the uh the hair is just one of the it's like the nanotechnology that iron man has in infinity war where they'll break the mask and like part of the leg will remove itself to come up to like make the mask again to protect his vital organs that's what's <laughs> happening to ryan Tan. you think they're using the protein of his hair to rebuild ryan Tannehill's knee and shoulder and everything that's pretty inventive <laughs> i like that exactly yeah. yeah, I like that too. He's he's literally our Iron Man that's getting the shit kicked in by Thanos. Uh, you just, uh, just don't let Lauren Tannehill walk behind you, Ryan. That's all I'm saying, okay? Because uh, <laughs> you turn around, she won't be there if she sees what I saw the other wear day. Wear a hat, buddy. Wear yeah, a hat. wear a hat at all times. Just wear just wear the helmet. Just wear the helmet at all times. <laughs> in bed like a night. Even at 75 years old, just re- that way she remembers that you used to be somebody. I wonder if uh, Pat Devlin sleeps with his Buick. Uh, <laughs> I just picture Pat Devlin after that loss, like, well, that sucks, and then just gets on all fours and drives away. <laughs> like a human transformer. Yeah. <laughs> just turns into that Buick. Yeah, he just turns into it. Yeah, yeah. The, the Patriots that logo on either side. Now. Yeah. Yeah, the, the the Patriots logo just turns into the headlights, and he just drives <laughs> off back to Boston. I need uh, back to Boston. I need uh, one of our fans to Photoshop that or like yes. put him. There's like I think I remember a meme I've seen of like a guy that literally awkwardly like turns into a car from like a 1960s or 70s cartoon. If they can like Photoshop Pat Devlin's face on that meme, that would be the greatest <laughs> thing I've ever seen in my fucking life. Yeah, I just have just driving driving from Miami to New England. What? <laughs> Playing on the road again, and uh, by Willie Nelson, and then just turning it. Yeah, then when he gets back home, he just turns back into Pat Devlin. Um, <laughs> That's some crazy well, shit I've ever heard. TRS ears is going to be furious at this episode. Oh, yeah, he's like, why would the logos be the headlights? They should be the doors. They look like little winged doors. You guys, three stars, man. Um, <laughs> But anyway, anything else you want to talk about with this game? I feel like we're missing all kinds of significant stats. But well, our defense uh, sucks. But other than that, well, there you go. The defense sucks. I, well, look, Matt Burke, who I am slowly turning into. By the way, I need to post a picture of myself. I saw myself the other day, and I was like flabbergasted. And I looked in the mirror, and I'm like, I look exactly like Matt Burke now. Um, but uh, now the defense isn't great. But you know what? The Patriots. Scoring 33. I mean, they scored 38 in the first game, so it's somewhat of a net victory. But, you know, the defense has got to change. I still do not believe that this team right now, as it's currently constructed, can win the Super Bowl. I just don't. And uh, maybe, maybe Adam Gase stays and maybe Ryan Tannehill stays, but the defense has got to change. I mean, and at this point, I think it's got to change with Matt Burke. Well, and just to be fair, I know we've talked a lot about this topic, so, um, but we were without Xavier Howard, so that that was ah. huge too. But there's a lot of strategy things, like Armstrong getting three snaps on defense. Travis Wingfield tweeted, and for some reason he's one on one with their best receiver on in the red zone. Like that just doesn't make any sense. So it seemed like Alonzo was covering Josh Gordon and Edelman at times. Doesn't make any sense. It just there's a lot of things there. Um, Cam Wake and coverage, <laughs> like any time that ever happens, I'm like stop. Stop it. Like, it's just a waste of time. Just rush him also. If you're going to blitz and try to be cute, don't drop him back into coverage. Just rush him also. Um, Cam Wake is not at this age and this time right now doing anything to help our pass uh, coverage. So, yeah, there's a lot of question marks in Matt Burke's strategy uh, defensively. But, yes, he is working in the kitchen with basically ramen noodles and hamburger helper with no milk. 
And by the way, if I could just shout out to Dan Fouts, you might be the worst color commentator I have ever heard in my life. His name is TJ McDonald, not Tim McDonald. Now, I'm wondering if the T in TJ McDonald stands for Tim. It might. I don't really care. He goes by TJ McDonald. You call him Tim McDonald, and he sounds like a relief pitcher for the Pittsburgh Pirates in 1992. I mean... I was confused. He's like, Tim McDonald on the tackle. I'm like, who in the hell is Tim McDonald? Is that the guy who caught the touchdown pass from Ryan Tannehill wearing number 14? <laughs> who is Tim McDonald? <laughs> and then I had to look it up. I'm like, does he mean TJ? Does this piece of shit mean TJ? Dan Fouts, get the hair out of your eyes. Put it back down on your face as a beard. And uh, pay attention to who the hell is on the roster. Because these are the 7-6 and six game-winning drive Miami Dolphins, sir. Absolutely. And Sam, if you just look at the Perfect Bill Twitter, I found that gif of the guy turning into the car and it's the most awkward thing I've ever seen. Oh, I'm going to I'm going to log on right now. I'm going to log on. We're going to go pay some bills with halftime. And then when we come back, we're speaking of Xavier Howard. We're going to talk about who is the greatest or best football player on the Miami Dolphins right now as we currently speak. DolphinsTalk.com is your one website for all things Miami Dolphins. With the award-winning DolphinsTalk.com podcast, in-depth video breakdowns and analysis, as well as daily articles all year round, DolphinsTalk.com is the place to go for all of your Miami Dolphins needs. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at DolphinsTalk and to visit our website, DolphinsTalk.com, each and every day. And we are back for the second half of Perfectville. Hopefully you guys had as enjoyable of a halftime as Chris and I just did. We were just giggling like Beavis and Butthead over here. Um, so we, we talked about the game. We talked about uh, the play of Ryan Tannehill. Um, we talked a little bit about somebody who was missing who, uh, if he was in the game, I, I think it would have changed the outcome prior to the outcome that we had. Um and I'm talking about Xavier Howard, who missed mm. this with a uh, with a knee injury. Looks like he's going to be back. Nothing to be uh, terribly concerned about. And obviously, Xavier Howard, I think, kind of burst onto the scene for Dolphins fans last year. Uh, he's on the national radar now. Um, uh, he's had an incredible season, not just intercepting the ball, but just playing defense in general, uh, to the point where I think I'm comfortable saying that he is probably the best player on defense for us. Correct. I was not even close. I, I think maybe Alonzo is um, 2D. Like, he's far away. He's not even close. Him and Minka and, I guess, Mr. Rashad Jones. But uh, he hasn't really done much this year. I, I, absolutely. Xavier Howard is just uh, years and years beyond anybody on our defense as far as talent and what he's meant to our season. Okay, so if he's the best player on defense, um, is he also uh, the best player, best football player the Miami Dolphins have right now um he was my pick yeah so i think it's close there's a couple of guys on offense that uh frank gore for example has just been mm. unbelievable at his age and i think um and the way he runs and he has all season um i've always respected and loved frank gore he played in my favorite college but you don't see him when he's on the 49ers you don't really see him when he's on the colts um that man is just 
talk about like the love of the game, the way he runs, and he's older. I mean, like he's so old, loose skin and old. <laughs> Fuck you! <laughs> like he's so, and he's uh he's just trucking through guys. He's never tackled um, from the first contact, and that's why part of me was so pissed off we didn't give him the ball in that third and two. Uh, and Tannehill did a play action and got fucking smoked. So um, Frank Gore is just uh, nuts. And seeing his reaction after Drake scored was one of the coolest things. The Miami Dolphins tweeted out uh, footage of the sideline, and Frank Gore yeah. is just like a, a kid in a candy store. There's a picture of him and Tannehill hugging and bracing after the victory. He is all kinds of awesome. So I definitely got to give props to Frank Gore and what he's meant to this team this year. Um, it's everything we wanted from Arian Foster. And mm. Frank Gore has just been our offensive MVP, I'd say. Yeah, but I think, you know, again, if you put all but factors together, Xavier Howard. Yeah, Xavier Howard's the best football player that we have on the Miami Dolphins right now. Um and by the way, what was up with Kenny Stills is giving himself up a yard and a half oh, short of that first down man. uh since you brought up that third and two. I mean, Holy that just shit. damn. I I went off on Twitter. I mean, he is not the type to do that. It was the weirdest thing. You know when like I guess when you just make it you do and you're like, "What the fuck did I just do?" Like I guess as a human being, his brain just made him lay. Why? Why would you ever lay down in that situation? It's not he, like he was milking clock. No. It, it's not like he's scared to get hit. He's never done no. that before. He just come. His brain completely had a lapse of judgment, and he stood up and hit his chest or whatever. But dude, the, our season is on the line, and that was one of the most perplexed things I've ever. And then he drops the ball on. The crossing around, it didn't even look like he knew how to catch before. He like put his <laughs> hand backwards and like let the ball hit the like back of his hands. It was the weirdest fucking stretch. I tweeted, he has had the greatest and worst game at the same time. It was unbelievable yeah. he played. Yeah, I uh, the only thing I can think of uh, is that he thought he had the first down. So he got in, he got down to just avoid a hit that he thought was coming. You know, like sometimes you see something in the corner of your eye, and you're just like, "Oh shit, I, I get out of the way." Even if it's just like a you know like a, a leaf or something that's coming across your sight line, maybe he just saw something, got spooked, and got down, uh, thinking he had enough for the first down. But uh, you know, the, the the situation was not one where you have to get down and get up and, and throw another play or anything like that. So I am not I, I I'm scratching my head to this day, like right now, going, "I don't know why he did that." But um, anyway. Uh, kind of my point is is that Xavier Howard is the best player that we have <laughs> if I can make our transition um is he the most impactful player that we have and, and the reason I ask that is if he's our best player and he's out against the New England Patriots and we still win um does that make him impactful or do you think this game goes a completely different direction if Xavier Howard is in uh are, are we winning this game handily because maybe uh you know people like Cordell Cordero Patterson aren't running you know free across the middle of the field to, to score 40 yard touchdowns I don't know if he's going to be a difference in this specific game um maybe one of those tip balls he's in position and he has an interception I mean he seemed to pick off Brady all the time um, he just has a read or something that he, he keeps challenging him and Howard keeps making him pay. So uh, I'm not sure if the game's different. I, I don't know if it comes down to the miracle play, and I don't think we win handedly either. So to answer your question, I guess, is is he impactful? Maybe not in that game specifically um, because I don't know. It's a whole dominant butterfly effect. Does he get an interception and then our offense gets conservative and give him the ball back and they score anyway? Like, who cares? Right, right. Um, but that game specifically, no. But as a season goes, absolutely. He's been impactful. Okay. Uh, I don't know about most impactful. Um, 
really uh, there's a guy getting that doesn't get talked about enough because of the position he plays. But Laramie Tunzel has yeah. had an amazing year at left tackle. And I think this season is way worse than it is um, with the injuries in, interiorly uh, with Tunzel just taking care of business at the left tackle. No, and he was my pick for the second best player for the uh, for the Miami Dolphins is Laramie Tunzel. So I'm glad you brought him up, and 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 I think I agree with you. I mean, you can make a case for Ryan Tannehill being being uh, yeah. the most impactful. I mean, Brock Osweiler. We beat, beat the Bears without him. <laughs> yeah, well, and I was you know who was that? Somebody was was it Jim Florentine when he was on the show talking about the only reason that happened is because Adam Case cheated and really <laughs> yeah, didn't, did. didn't tell anyone to, about it so that they couldn't prepare for Brock Osweiler and and he caught him off guard. Um, there there might be some truth to that, but uh, you know, I think I don't even really know. Where I'm going with this, other than I was thinking about it earlier this year, earlier this week when I found out Xavier Howard was out, and I was thinking, crap, we're going to lose this game handily now because he is our best player. And then I thought yeah. about it, wow, he's our best player. Like, when did that happen? That kind of snuck up on me. It's usually Cameron Wake or Rashad Jones, or you know, in the past, Jarvis Landry. Um, but no, it's 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 Xavier Howard. And then I started thinking. He, he he's the best player, but is he is he the most impactful? And furthermore, he's not the leader of of this Miami Dolphins defense. That's still Rashad Jones and Cameron Wake. And on offense, I think Ryan Tannehill has grown into that that captain or that you know that that team leader. And then of course, as you mentioned, Frank Gore. So it's just kind of weird to me that your best player in Xavier Howard um, may or may not be the most impactful one, and he's definitely not like the team captain or the team leader. At least not in in the tradition sense where I think people look at him and go we're, we're following wherever he goes well and I think that's going to come with time um, when you're a second round pick from Baylor um, no, no one's like really looking and he's coming strong presence of the Rashad Jones even like a TJ McDan- uh, McDonald and Cam Wake you've got Hayes and uh, Sean Spence these these veteran guys um, that's going to come with with time and it's one of those things too where I fully expect him to have a C on his jersey next year because um, his play is doing it for him, and he doesn't have to come in and be all talk or anything like that. And that's one thing I liked a lot about Ryan Tannehill, honestly. He wasn't a big rah-rah guy that will get in somebody's face. But the players respect him enough. You've heard Kenny Stills in an interview say he's their quarterback and we need him, and he's always been a captain. And I remember specifically, Sam, us and other Dolphins fans on thefins.com back when Chad Henney was quarterback, and um, he I don't think he got voted as captain by his teammates. Oh, yeah. And everybody yeah. thought that was a huge deal because he's the quarterback, and um, people defended him, but it was a big uh, black eye and asterisks because you're like, wait, hold on. The locker room didn't vote the quarterback as the captain. That's weird. And meanwhile, Tannehill has had it this whole time. And I didn't mean to spin this in the Tannehill thing, but I think it's because he, and he's not a rah, rah guy, but he works hard. He plays hurt. He makes plays on the field and the teammates respect that. And that same thing's going to happen with Xavier and Howard. Yeah, well, there you go, and I think you're right. He will have a C on his on his chest next year, and I'm, I'm thinking he's going to have a couple more zeros in the uh, on the paycheck <laughs> be before it too be long. Us. Yeah, that's that. That was that's that's a, that's a topic for another day oh, yeah. in terms of whether we're going to uh, pay Xavier Howard or not. But uh, I hope so because, uh, as I said, he's the best player that you got. So at this point, I think you got to keep him. Uh, well, that's all I got for that. So uh, why don't we go ahead and get to three and out first down here, Chris, against the Minnesota Vikings, uh, a team that uh, my friend Dustin loves and likes to give me shit every single time the Dolphins lose and the Vikings win. Uh, care to guess the all-time record the Miami Dolphins have against the Minnesota Vikings? Mm. Ooh, we don't play often. Every four years um, mm-hmm. we play. Um, I would say something like 
30 and 25. Uh, the Miami Dolphins lead the all-time series 8-4, to four, and that includes Super Bowl VIII <laughs> back in 1974. Oh, man, can I math or what? You can math. You're like, yeah, 34 and 27. They play once every eight years. I think that's right. They've been around since 1804. Um, God, I'm getting no. so much shit for that. That's all I'm right. A banker, but the li- by the way, that's fun. I, I handle yeah. people's finances. Yeah. So, in case you're looking uh, for long-term investments, Chris Cullen is the name. Um, we've actually won the last three times we've played the Minnesota Vikings, including uh, back in 2010 at Minnesota. Although that was in September, we won that 14 to 10. Uh, we also won 37-35 back in 2014. That was a December game, uh, but that was in Miami. Um, but uh, yeah, we are we are eight and four all time against the Minnesota Vikings, Chris. Uh, what do you make of that? Is this uh, is this a good thing, bad thing? What do you think? I don't think it matters at all. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> that stat, and I know we're doing the whole. We got we got to fill time and filler. Uh, it's one of those things I can't stand when you're like, well, I mean, like they got luck in their favor because uh, the last time they played in 1957, uh, they won by 30 points, and it's like, <laughs> that, I mean, these guys aren't even alive anymore. Like it doesn't make sense. It's a totally different roster. Um, I, I'm more interested to see like our record against uh, the same coach. When he's been the offensive coordinator, Childress, I think. Is Brad Childress still the coach? I don't know. I, I think it's Don Zimmer. Think, <laughs> not Don know. Zimmer. Mike Zimmerman. Don Zimmer is that fat, bald coach for the Yankees who's dead now. <laughs> Childress hasn't been the coach for like eight years. Um, <laughs> I believe it's uh, – holy shit. I, yeah, it's, I think it's uh, – It's the guy with like the weird eyes. He like something wrong with his eyes, right? Like grease yeah. splashed in him. Or, yeah. Dennis Green is that the coach that we're <laughs> Mike Tice? We, yeah, I hope uh, <laughs> I hope uh, Xavier Howard does a good job covering Randy Moss on Sunday. Um, yeah, we yeah, better, but, better look out for that dual threat of Dante Culpepper throwing and running the ball. <laughs> Points at his knee and does the OK logo. God, I'll never forget that when he was on the Raiders. But yeah, I mean, I, I would much rather see how we have performed in the past against Kirk Cousins and um, you know the head coach, whatever his name is, um, yeah, things like that. I, we've had success um, against. NFC North teams, uh, except the Lions, because we beat the Bears. Um, have we played? Wait, did we play another NFC no, North? Yeah, we lost our. We got our dicks kicked in by the Packers. What are you talking about? <laughs> Let's just scratch this whole fucking. <laughs> it doesn't matter. We'll see what happens Sunday. Fuck it. We'll do it live. Fuck it. <laughs> and his name is Mike Zimmer. Lose. We said Don Zimmer, Mike Zimmerman. It's Mike fucking Zimmer. All right, we get it. Leave us alone, TRSRs, Sears, TSA agent, whatever the fuck your name is. Uh, we're punch drunk, man. We're, uh, we'll, you know what? This this right now is this is like the the mid to late third fourth quarter of the Dolphins game yesterday. We're gonna make a comeback right at the end of this episode yeah. and uh, pull this back for a victory. <laughs> All right, uh, second down, Chris. Go ahead and go. Do you have anything prepared? <laughs> I don't. Um, so <laughs> their defense is really good, Sam. What do you think we need to do? Uh, this isn't the Patriots' defense. Are we Swiss cheese. We were kind of doing what we wanted with them. We're on the road. Obviously, weather won't be an issue because we're in a dome, so that's good. But we're traveling. A little bit of a head start, like mentioned, but they do have a good defense. Sam, where do you see um, us coming into the foray and what Adam Gase has to do to get us a victory and keep our playoff hopes alive. Yeah, I think we have to undefense their good defense. And uh, I, I honestly, man, I think we have to kind of replicate what we did against New England in that uh, there was a lack of screens. There was uh, a, a nice really mix was. of, 
you know there was and 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 you saw if you look if you look at the variety we had in the uh in the backfield we talked about earlier in this show just the amount of talent we have and what they all bring to the table at some point there was you know i, I believe Kenyon drake was lined up in the slot you had frank gore lined up behind ryan Tannehill, and you just had all these options that uh you know if you put Kenyon drake in motion you could be handing the ball off to him you could turn around and give it to frank gore you can bring in somebody like a you know brandon bolden to um just kind of speed freak him it it I honestly think the key to this game is going to be the running game, um, much more so than the passing game. At this point, we have Kenny Stills, we have Danny Amendola half the time, and then we have whoever it is we sign and put number 14 on his chest this week. Um, <laughs> you know, It's going to come down to a grizzled vet like Frank Gore and Kenyon Drake. And if you look at the, the, the dynamic of Kenyon Drake, I mean, he's got like four or five touchdowns on the ground, and he's got four or five in the air at this point. I mean, that guy is an all-around package, and if you can take him and line him up anywhere – on the uh, in your offensive um, game plan, and they have to account for him now. I think he's to the point where you're like, okay, where's Kenyon Drake? He's not going to necessarily run for 300 yards uh, or anything like that, but uh, he might get 65 yards passing and 65 yards rushing and get you two touchdowns, and all of a sudden you look up and you're like, holy shit, Kenyon Drake's just a skull fuck in this team. So uh, to mm, me, I think that's skull, where the key, the I like key that. Yeah, yeah, skull fuck. Uh, that's the key is Kenyon Drake. If can Ryan Tannehill find Kenyon Drake, and uh, if Kenny Stills can uh, continue the momentum he's had over the last two games, I mean, kudos to him. We thought maybe he was disgruntled. Maybe he just needed to speak up so people remember that number ten is on the field because he's been playing lights out. Other than the fact that he took a nap on third and on uh, mm-hmm. second and fourteen, but uh, um, those would be the two guys on offense that I think we have to do uh, do things with in order to penetrate that defense. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if you look at it, Sam, in their actual schedule, Minnesota Vikings are not this team that I'm really terrified of. The pa- pa- Patriots was the game I was worried about out of these two. Um, they lost to the Bills 27-6. to um, They barely beat the Eagles. They beat the Cardinals. They beat the Jets. I mean, you're supposed to win those games, but you lose to the Saints. You lose to the Bears. And then this is the one that stood out to me was their last game they played tonight. Uh, their last game, they were only able to muster 10 points against that New England defense. Yeah. That we just like had no problem finding open receivers, running the ball with. They have a couple good victories against uh, you know the Lions and and stuff like that. But like, there's not really anything that I'm like losing sleep over. This is a game that's totally winnable for us, especially if we come out with a good game plan with balance, like you mentioned, and our defense steps up. We have to get pressure on Kirk Cousins. We can't let Adam Thielen run wild and free. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do tonight against Seattle. Uh, but only being able to get 10 points on New England's defense. And I know New England um, is a juggernaut. They're two seed in the AFC, but their defense has been very suspect all year. And uh, the Vikings got 10 points. So let's just go in there with a game plan. We have uh, time on our side with a couple extra days to prepare for them than they do. And uh, our season's very much on the line, as is theirs. But, um, yeah, we have the momentum after a big play like that. National TV's talking about it. And, Guys are hungry. They're pumped up. You can tell they want to win. You know, you watch the Jets and, and the Bills, and they kind of seem to give up. Um, the Jaguars, too, look like they gave up. But the Dolphins, we haven't given up. Our, our players are pumped. They're excited. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, third down. Uh, you just talked about this Minnesota Vikings team, Chris, that uh, doesn't ha- do anything spectacular, it doesn't seem like. Um, looking at that roster, though, there's got to be somebody there that you would uh, consider to be on the Miami Dolphins. Who 
on the Minnesota Vikings would you t- trade places with for somebody on the Miami Dolphins uh, right here and now? Is there is there a certain position or a certain player uh, from the Minnesota Vikings that you said, if we had him instead of our guy, we would be that much better? Oh, man, yeah, there's a few. I would love to have Everson Griffin, a defensive end, um, over like Charles Harris, for example, or Andre Branch. That's a good one. Um, Adam Thielen, at receiver, I'd take him over Bryce Butler. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I really like Stephon Diggs as well. The receivers, they got that one-two punch. It's pretty tough. But I'll tell you who's a badass, and I really like him a lot, and that is um, Linville Joseph, defense tackle, and Anthony Barr, their linebacker. But most importantly, and here's I want to ask you this. Would you take – let's take T.J. McDonald out of this. Would you take Harrison Smith over either, either Minka Fitzpatrick or Rashad Jones? Uh, ooh, Harrison Smith's ooh. a fucking badass safety. He's really good, but that's a tough one. If I had Harrison Smith and Minka Fitzpatrick as my safeties, <laughs> I'm I'm a happy camper. Mm. If I have Harrison Smith and Rashad Jones as my safeties, I'm a happy camper. <laughs> um, God damn, that's a good question. I don't know, but I'm going I'm to throw one back. I'm going to lob this one back to you. Right now, for the stretch run, if you could have Kirk Cousins or Ryan Tannehill for the next three games, which one do you go with? Take which one with Adam Gase. Yeah. You're going with Tannehill? I would take Tannehill. The way he's playing right now is unbelievable. He's lights out. I think he has one interception, eight touchdowns, and like 600 yards in the three games he's come back since the, uh, the injury. He's playing his ass off, and um, – I would just take him. His his running ability, and he only did it once, and he got a first down yesterday. I wish we would have went back to that a couple of times, but I understand why we didn't um, in the second half with his ankle. Of course, it was probably the other reason. But, man, that dynamic where he can pull the ball and run off 12 yards, mm-hmm. is uh, that's something different that Cousins doesn't do. And, really, I've never seen Kirk Cousins as much better than Ryan Tannehill. I see him in the same category of him and Dalton and the other quarterbacks in the league that are kind of mid-tier, just below the top-tier guys. Uh, so for his contract and all that, and I know we didn't talk about numbers, but a pure just quarterback play, I'll keep Ryan Tannehill over Kirk Cousins. I might get raked over the coals for that, but the next three games. Okay, so what about take out the next three games and we just swap them head for head, contract and everything. Are you taking Kirk Cousins from here forward or are you taking Ryan Tannehill? No, no, absolutely not because I have a feeling there's a good chance that Ryan Tannehill might restructure. Um just because he knows he's coming off injuries or whatnot, but $84 million guaranteed for a slight upgrade, maybe, over Ryan Tannehill. Um, no point. I would rather keep the guy we know what we have in him. Okay. Well, there you go. You? And that was that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> for this game, I would take Kirk Cousins because he's on my fantasy team and I'm in the playoffs and I want him to do well. I just don't want him to do well against the Miami Dolphins. Um, that's a very, very tough question. I think Kirk Cousins is vastly underrated, but I also think Kirk Cousins is somewhat limited as to the options that he can give you. I mean, he he is a, a drop-back, throw-it quarterback, whereas Ryan Tannehill, I think, gives you um, a little bit more of the dynamic feel of that he could run the ball, he can maybe improvise a little bit, stuff like that. But, you know, it doesn't do you any good if he's injured, doesn't do you any good if you don't utilize that. So that that's kind of my thought process is if you don't use Ryan Tannehill to the best of his abilities – then why have him? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, I don't know, man. That, that He might be the new Andy Dalton. You might have hit it on the head. That might be the new litmus test. Are you better or worse than Kirk Cousins? And if you're better, you had a good week. And if you're worse, you probably had a bad week. 
Yeah, it's a it's a tough one. That's why this game is winnable, though. On Sunday, I think we just went to, he just went toe to toe with Tom Brady. I mean, we're in a dome. No it's weather true. conditions are going to be a problem. Tannehill did not fold under any pressure uh, on Sunday with our season on the line. He made great throw after throw. There was a throw he made to Kenny Stills where it was over the top of two guys, and st- he got hit right as he threw it. He didn't even get to follow through. It reminded me a lot of the San Diego pass where. He was, but Stills had it got behind the two guys as a linebacker in a corner, and it dropped right in his bread basket. It was one of the better throws I've seen in a long time, and it's not. Um, I don't think it's. I'm overrating it at all. Like it was a very tough throw across the field in the other right hash mark. The accuracy and the pinpoint where he put it while getting hit was phenomenal. And when he makes those throws, you're like, God damn! Like this guy. And one thing I want to ask too, Sam, I know we're, we're bringing the show to a close, but that touchdown pass is stills. I wish we did that more with him. I feel like Gase oh, isn't little, doing yeah. – well, I, I feel like Gase stop, is not calling the rollout passes as much as he used to. Tannehill can throw it on the run. He's very good at that, and he's made deep throws to Marquise Gray uh, a few seasons ago and other players too where he has just been dynamite on the run. Um, I wish they would it, it put that in more obviously with his knee and now with his ankle that it's asking a lot, but that's something we need to work back into the offense for sure. Well, that whole play was actually really well done because it was almost like a little scrape uh, pattern with Kenny Stills. And then mm-hmm. at the same time, uh, I don't remember if it was Gesicki or somebody else, but somebody actually ran, ran inside. might have been um, might have been Parker. I think it was Parker. Uh, but, yeah, but it, you know, it wasn't an illegal pick or anything mm-hmm. like that. But he, he ran his – he did his job perfectly to the point where it just slowed up the defender enough to get Kenny Stills that little bit of daylight and beat him to the corner there. Um, it was a good play. It was a good play call, and it was it was run to, to you know perfection, if you will. Um, and that's what I need. I mean, I, th- I think if Adam Gase can go back to calling plays like this and 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 doing them in a way where it didn't seem like he was forcing his what his thought process of what a good offense should be, and as opposed to I'm going to take what they're willing to give me, yeah, and that's what it seemed like he was trying to do. Sometimes it seems like he's trying to impose his will on the other team, um, which doesn't work for us. I think what's best is if we're a little bit more malleable and we go, all right. If you're going to give us this, we're going to take it, and we're going to figure out a way to make it work. And that's what it seemed like he did yesterday. And uh, I don't know if he was just more intent or more in tune on the offense. There was at some point uh, they showed him, Chris, and it was after one of our touchdowns, and we're getting ready to kick off, and Adam Gase was on the bench looking over plays as opposed to, you know, typical head coach stance staying up front. So maybe he was just like, you know what? Deal with the defense. I'm going to work on the offense. I need to give him a little bit of extra whatever if I'm going to be the play caller. Um, so I don't know. But um, we're, See, we're, we're and are, Well, and I'm torn on that, Sam. And that's where, like, I appreciate it and it's helped the offense. But him as a head coach, that's where, like, after the game, they're asking him questions about the defense and, like, maybe questionable strategies from Burke or things like that. He's not even watching. Like, he doesn't even yeah. he, he doesn't see it. Like, and that's, that's his team, too. Like, that's part of the team that he's head coaching. And, um, it just that irks me enough to where we said it before on the show, and I know I have. Um, you either are a good offensive play caller, and it's going to take away from your ability as a head coach, or you're going to be a great head coach, and it's going to take away from your preparation and your play calling. It's going to be one or the other. And right now, it seems like the head coaching is getting um, messed with because he had a great game calling plays and really was clueless of what the defense was up to because. He didn't even know the down the distance. Like you said, his nose is in a book looking at play calls from the next uh, you know, photographs and things like that, which is all fine and good. That's what he needs to be doing as a play caller, but it's taking away from the other things. Yeah, I'm not sure, but you know what? If it gets us three more victories to 10-6 and six and into the playoffs, then wow. I, will, uh, I will sadly 
but appropriately go back and eat my own words uh, writing off Adam Gase as the coach um, that will no longer Sam, be if, the coach. Sam, if the we Dolphins. go, I'm going to say it right now at 7-6. to six, That way I won't look like a fool if we just lose three straight, whatever. Oh, this is good. If this is good. We, I like this. If we go to the playoffs, Sam, with the amount of injuries, Jakeem Grant, Albert Wilson, Kilgore, Sitton, Tannehill for six games, Xavier Howard's missed time. We've had so many guys hurt and injured that it's been unbelievable. William if, Hayes. William Hayes, thank you. Hayes, there you go. Um we if we if we go to the playoffs, Parker missed multiple games. Um it, <laughs> He was active, he just <laughs> Yeah, but he missed them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um if we if we if we go to the playoffs, seriously, if we go to the playoffs with this team and with the competition we have right now, there's so many teams right there at seven and six, the Ravens, the Colts, Titans, us. Uh, there's no question in my mind Adam Gase deserves head coach of the year in the NFL. Wow. For him to be able to do what he's done already, 7-6, and six, when you've lost your starting guards, uh, a guard and center, who let Mike Pouncey walk, and he's having his great year in uh, San Diego uh, or L.A., and Kilgore and Sitton get lost in the beginning of the season. We're playing with Ted Larson, Swanson, and Jesse Davis. Like, who the fuck are those guys? Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant are two speed guys that Gase wanted to use. He wanted to pick his own groceries. Remember, we asked him to hit, get his guys, and we were having much success with those guys in the very beginning of the year, and he was calling. You can tell he was flourishing as a play caller. And uh, Tinhill goes down. We have Brock Osweiler playing football games for us. To go to the playoffs would be nothing short of a miracle, honestly, at this point, with how competitive the AFC is. Like you said, what other team in the NFL, if you're 4-1, 4-2, 5-1 and in your division, you're, you should be in the playoffs, and but not in the AFC East when you got the Patriots, and then there's other tough uh, tough divisions out there in the AFC. It's, I think it's going to go to Andy Reid or the kid from yeah. Los Angeles Rams or uh, an outside shot of Sean Payton with the with the North. Brad Saints. Childress, maybe Brad Childress. Brad, Brad Childress, <laughs> who I think is currently uh, coaching the Rhine Fire in the NFL Europe. Um, that's the third Rhine Fire reference we've had in a month. Um, all right, well, that's uh, that is the ever ever growing, ever long uh, episode of Perfectville. Um, but you know what? Uh, like I told you, we're going to hit a home run right here at the end, and I think throwing a Ryan Fire reference right at the end is kind of like doing a walk-off touchdown with seven seconds left against the stupid New England Patriots. Chris, anything else you want to say on this episode of Perfectville? Yeah, real quick, holy shit, Brad Childress, you were like very close. He is the American football coach. Uh, is that currently the head coach of the Atlanta Legends of the <laughs> Alliance of American Football? Like, I think that's that's the team your son's team just beat for their championship, <laughs> right? Isn't that, isn't that the team that Zach Thomas just killed? Atlanta Legends, Alliance of American Football League. I've never even heard of that in my life, but Brad Childress is uh, doing his business, I guess. Do you think if you're the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings, like an actual bona fide football team, and now you're the head coach of the Atlanta Thrashers or, or Legends or whatever they're called, and you go to your 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 families like your 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 in-laws for the holidays and they're like so brad what are you up to do you think he just lies like i'm thinking of getting a teaching credential yeah <laughs> chemistry I'm, i don't know yeah i'm uh I'm, I'm washing cars while while doing a side gig at mcdonald's he doesn't tell anyone he's at the american alliance of retired football coaches or whatever the <laughs> hell he's tells me what's in a bowling alley and he loves it Oh my, yeah, exactly. My lord, how the mighty have fallen. Poor Brad Childress. Anyway, um, 
Well, you are listening to Perfect Bill, home of the, uh, well, home of Sam and Chris, I guess. Um, I was going to say home of the Atlanta Legends, but that's not true. Um, <laughs> we're, we're falling off the rails here, so I think there's only really one last thing to say, and that is goodbye from Perfect Bill. Later. <laughs> Dolphinstock.com Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.